Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ultimately, what you want to be doing is creating multiple streams of income because the one thing that everyone is limited in life is time. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Taran Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Michael Shah, founder of Mortgage Channel. With a portfolio of 20 plus properties, a strict mindset and a conservative approach, we'll learn how Shah was able to grow his portfolio with little risk, why he used the buy and hold strategy and how he's made his money work for him through property. Focused on either his clients or mortgage broking business, Shah's day consists of coming up with a perfect strategy and goal for anyone he works with. Probably just working with the banks mostly, um, taking client phone calls, working with the banks, having Skype calls with their with clients mapping out their investment journey. Um, so, I mean, a lot of people come to me for the investment advice. So, I find a lot of clients when they first start out, they've got very, very similar questions in terms of where they should be buying, what types of properties they should be buying, what strategies that they should be using. So, a lot of the time, I help them down that process, kind of nut out. And it's definitely not one size fits all. For some clients, maybe one type of strategy works really well. And then for another client, it's a completely different strategy. So we work on that a lot. And then also on the flip side, I do the mortgage broking side of things. So in terms of the financial aspect, how does that tie in? And how I like to work is actually I get to know your goal. So what your goal is, what you're trying to achieve, and everyone has slightly different goals. And basically then just map the financial side of things to reach the goals. With a large portfolio himself, Shah specializes in growing his clients' portfolios by the dozens. My mortgage business is really kind of just built up through my journey as a property investor. Um, I've had quite a few people come to me asking for help in terms of building out their portfolio and that's what I specialize in. I specialize in property investors that are looking to build out their property portfolio. So, you know, people that are looking to grow 5, 10, 15 properties as opposed to just one or two. And these are the types of investors that I specialize in. So very similar to what I've achieved, I just help other people do the same. Despite being so knowledgeable when it comes to portfolio building, Shah admits that property itself isn't actually a passion of his and is rather a means to achieve his goals. For me, it's like, you know, property investing is a vehicle. You know, like the property itself, I've got no fascination with it. But the only reason why I do this is what it can allow you to do. So when someone becomes clear in terms of what they really want to do, then the property piece makes a lot more sense. 
Um, you see a lot of investors out there, they buy one or two properties, but then they don't progress beyond that. And I think the key reason for that is they haven't linked how those properties get them closer to their goals. And a lot of time, the one or two properties that they bought actually don't take them to their goals. If anything, it takes them further away and that's why they stop. So that's why knowing what your goal is, knowing how the property ties into that goal is critical. When you can make that linkage between the goal and also the property, then you'll definitely accelerate and progress a lot faster. Keeping this in mind, he shares that it's because he's conservative rather than risk-taking that has allowed him the success that he has. I would actually say I'm actually quite conservative. <laughs> um, I would say if you were speaking to someone off you know, the street or maybe just telling them the story that, oh, look, you bought 12 properties in two years and you're sitting on 16 properties with loans you know, in excess of over $3 million, they would actually think that you're very risky um, and that you've done it very, very aggressively. On the contrary, I actually think I'm quite conservative. Why I say that is... I go through a lot of due diligence checks in terms of what types of properties that I buy. I personally only buy properties that I see in person. They have to set a whole, they have to meet a whole bunch of metrics that I put in place, and only if they cover all of those do I then buy it. So from that perspective, I think the types of properties that I buy, I feel I'm actually quite conservative. Um, in terms of as an investor, um, generally, investing for me is very simple. I just have two rules that I follow for the properties that I pick. One is it needs to pay for itself. So after all your expenses, it needs to be positive or at the very least neutral. And the second one is I just buy as close to a CBD as I can. So I guess if you ask me what type of investor I am, I'm just those two. As long as it fits those two categories, then I'm looking, okay, sure, maybe I'll consider buying that property. Shah also plays the long game. Rather than the quick buy, renovate, sell strategy, he opts for the safer and longer route. In terms of um, across the board, it will be buy and hold because I feel buy and hold is what creates wealth. Uh, property is not an overnight game. Uh, I know some people are in the game of flipping. I don't really like flipping because I feel that that's active income. One thing that I strive to do is only spend time on creating passive income streams. And I want to build up a portfolio where through from the rent, and then also from the increase of the properties, I'm generating wealth without putting time into that. So that's why I don't really believe in the flipping business because you're bound for time. In terms of then, you know, whether it's buy, hold, renovate, pull out equity, it really then just depends on what strategy and also what you're lacking resources. And we can probably chat about it in a little bit more detail later. But in investing, there's only two resources that investors use. One is how much equity, how much savings that you have. And the other is how much servicing, how much borrowing capacity the banks will allow you. So whichever resource that you have is limiting, then spend all your time tackling that. So there were times when I was purely a buy, renovate, pull out equity, move on to the next one investor. There were other times where I was just purely buy and hold, but looking for very good rental returns. So I would say across the board, yes, absolutely buy and hold. But the strategy within that evolves over time, depending on what your limiting resource is. Moving to Australia at the young age of seven, Shah grew accustomed to the Australian lifestyle early on, specifically the sport. I was born in China, came to Australia when I was seven years old, came to Sydney um, and all my interests were like, you know, Australian interests, whether it was cricket, playing touch football, rugby, 
those types of interests. So I guess that's where the Aussie accent comes from. <laughs> so most of the time, I mean, funnily enough, when I came to Australia, I grew up in Eastwood. And those of your listeners from Sydney would know that Eastwood at the moment is a very Asian, Korean, Chinese community. But when I started out in Eastwood Primary School, there was only one other Chinese person in the entire grade. And in all of Eastwood, there was only one Chinese grocery store. So you can see how much that has changed. So grew up in Sydney, had my schooling in Sydney, um, spent my whole life in Sydney, in fact. And um, it's only recently in the last two years that I moved up to the Gold Coast for business reasons. It were these that Shah actually wished to pursue, his goals being far from property investing. I definitely can't say that I was always interested in in, um, investing. I think when I was young, my interests were sport. Spent a lot of time playing table tennis and also touch football. Touch football was actually one of the main reasons why I got into investing too because I wanted to have more time to play touch football. Oh, nice. Um, And then apart from that, you know, I just spent all my youth either playing computer games or like card games. So... I had no real interest in investing. I would say my parents definitely had an influence. Um, they were always of the mentality that save your money, use that wisely, use it to invest. But their idea of investing is very, very different to kind of our, our idea of investing. Their idea of investing was almost buy a house and pay it off. But mm-hmm. uh, at least they were kind of pointing you towards that idea that, yes, owning assets was the correct thing to do. So my parents were always in my ear when I was growing up going, look, save your money when you have enough money, go and buy a property. But once you bought that property, go and save up for another five or 10 years and buy another property. So that was a push that they gave me and they kind of encouraged that. Uh, But it wasn't until a little bit later when I was around 28 that I actually found property investing more seriously. Going through, you know, reading a couple of internet forums, speaking to other more experienced investors, that's actually when it opened up my eyes to what's actually possible in investing. However, following a long period of finding out what he wanted to do with his career, Shah eventually landed on property. I went to a pretty good high school. Um, um, Academically, it was a very, very good school. Um, But I was one of those kids that never knew what I wanted to do. So um, when I went to uni, I did commerce because commerce had a very, very broad range in terms of what you could do afterwards. But even then, like studying didn't really interest me um, and actually took me eight years to finish my undergrad degree. So commerce, as you know, is a three-year degree and I didn't graduate until I was 25. So that entire time, I was just really looking for what I really wanted to do. And um, even going through, like ever since I was 19, I've been working full-time and worked through corporate, worked in market research for 10 years, actually. I was in the corporate world for 10 years. But during that time, I was always trying to discover what I really wanted to do. And it wasn't until I was 28 and I found property investing that I really find, okay, this is what I was meant to do. Coming up after the break, we'll hear about the lessons learned from his first property. It was a good learning experience. But, you know, um, there was a lot of things through that deal and through the process that I went through that I wouldn't have done again. But it also kind of threw me in the deep end in terms of, okay, now this is actually for real. The mindset that kept him determined to achieve his goals. For me, it really came down to my goals. And that's why I say the goals are so important because it really dictates where you buy. I didn't really enjoy my corporate role at the time. And that just added more fuel in terms of me wanting to escape corporate. The mentor that really set him on his track. And essentially, that was the aha moment because then finally I connected with what I wanted to achieve and property investing. And then for the next two years, I essentially just executed his model and his plan. And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. 
Charles' property investment story began with discovering another successful property investor, Nathan Birch. The person that got me started and it was actually through his story that I became very fascinated in investing and I'm sure many of your um, um, listeners will know of him is actually Nathan Birch. So mm-hmm. Nathan Birch um, runs Being Invested. He has a really, really good YouTube channel and I still remember sitting down one weekend discovering that YouTube channel and literally watched all 100 videos and I was blown away. I'm like, how is this even humanly possible? So to put it into perspective, I was 28 at the time and he was 27 and he has 75 properties and I'm like, that is not possible. So then I tried to do everything I could to learn in terms of how that was possible. It was after seeing the sheer amount of success Nathan had achieved that Shah realized the potential growth he could have in property. When I um, kind of met up with him, I had two properties and prior to then, I thought I was doing pretty well. I mean, you know, some of my other friends didn't have anything. Mm. So, I thought I was killing it until then, you know, you see his story and puts that into perspective. So, I would say that that was the catalyst in terms of making me delve more into property investing. Um, I bought actually my third property through from him. And then after that, I did everything myself in terms of then the research, searching for the properties and so on and so forth. So he was the one that kind of opened up my eyes to push me in that direction. And then afterwards, I'm like, okay, this is what's possible. And then I started then doing a lot of that myself. Despite being able to purchase his third property through Birch, Shah shares that if given the chance, he probably would have decided to invest somewhere else. From an investment, from a demographic, from a growth perspective, if I had my time again, I personally wouldn't put my money there. Mm. So it was a good learning experience. But, you know, um, there was a lot of things through that deal and through the process that I went through that I wouldn't have done again. Um, But it also kind of threw me in the deep end in terms of, okay, now this is actually for real. You are buying these renovators that need a lot of work. That property had termite damage, actually needed a lot of work. And I actually ended up project managing all of that myself. And through that process actually gave me the confidence then to move forward. If I had my time again, I probably would have put that money up in Brisbane. Um, in 2013, it would actually would have done a lot better. But in hindsight, it was a very, very good experience. So it kind of taught me in terms of some of the key fundamentals that I kind of um, follow today in the sense that if you're buying a property, make sure it's in the key fundamental area. Don't buy five hours north of Sydney in a country town. It doesn't have its growth drivers. Buy somewhere that's, you know, 20, 30 kilometers from CBD. In the long term, you'll do a lot better. Learning from these experiences, he was able to grow his portfolio from three to many. I know that it was in a magazine after I had just left work and in that magazine, it was quoted at $4.1 million. Yep. Now, I picked up two more properties since then and I haven't had any of the properties valued. So, I would say it will be in excess of $5 million. What you know, If it's 5.5 or whatever it is, I don't know. I haven't got it valued since mm. then. Um, come July this year, I'll get everything revalued, pull out the equity and then I'll go on to my next buying phase. But I will say it's around there. Um, Yeah. That's great. Uh, In in terms of the property itself, um, the um, portfolio itself, I've got two units in Sydney. I've got two houses in Newcastle. I've got the one um, in Nambucca Heads. So that's my five in New South Wales. And the other 11 is in Queensland, mainly around the Logan area. Initially looking to buy property closer to Sydney CBD, Shah explains why deviating from his plan to find other ways to reach his goals worked out for him. For me, it really came down to my goals. 
And that's why I say the goals are so important because it really dictates where you buy. So when I started the investing um, and also knowing what my goals were, the key goal that I put for myself was to quit work. Mm. I didn't really enjoy my corporate role at the time. And that just added more fuel in terms of me wanting to escape corporate, have enough of a recurring income stream where I could have that flexibility to do whatever I want. At that time, I never wanted to become a mortgage broker. I actually didn't know what I wanted to do, but I just wanted to have that choice. You know, that choice might have even been to play more touch football. <laughs> yeah. But I just wanted more choice at the time. And I looked at many, many different areas to buy. And again, coming back to those two rules, I wanted to find somewhere where it was positively geared and also it was close to a CBD. And I looked around Sydney at that time, around 2014, Sydney was booming. I definitely couldn't find it in Sydney. Melbourne was similar and Brisbane was the next largest city. And Brisbane, you could buy 30 kilometers south of Brisbane or, or um, even north for that matter. And you could pick up properties with 7 to 8% rental return around the $300,000 mark. And every single property I picked up there after all expenses, positive income-wise, was putting about three to $4,000 in my back pocket. So I was like, these meet my goals. And also, it helps me closer to quitting work. Then why not just buy a number of these? And then when I started picking up one, then two, then three, everyone that I picked up, I saw I was getting closer to my goal. And that's when it really made sense. And I just kept on buying one after the other until then, yeah, I could finally quit work. And it was funny, like the day that I handed in my resignation at work was when my 14th property settled. On settlement day, I had my hand, the resignation letter ready and I was like, see you later. Thinking back through his career so far, Shah shares one of the uncommon property-related risks that he had to face during his investing journey. At that time, I, had, I was just starting out. It wasn't very clear to me that this was actually the path that I wanted to go down. And I feel that every investor will come across this, whether it's on your first property, second property, or on your fourth property, or even later, you will get tested. So I'll tell you what happened. So I had bought this property in Newcastle. Um, it was in a town suburb called Cardiff. And I picked it up for 225000 um, which is really, really cheap because mm. the suburb average at that time for Cardiff was, you know, around about 330, 340. Um, and I bought it um, from uh, the, um, uh, the family that lived there before were actually hoarders. So they had five, six cars in the backyard. There was a boat there. The house was in terrible condition. And I knew a lot of it was cosmetic. So if I could fix a lot of those issues, then I could then increase the value of the property. Now, when I first started out, it wasn't very good project managing. I bought the property around October and it actually settled very, very close to Christmas. So after it settled, I couldn't get any builders through, couldn't get any quotes through. Everyone had closed down. So it was vacant for literally about one or two months. Oh, okay. And during that time, um, the kids that used to live in that property actually got back into the property and they absolutely destroy the property. And I'm talking about taking a sledgehammer to the property. <laughs> so I've got some photos and it's like by the time that they had finished with it, there was more holes and wars. Jeez. And during that time, we didn't know who was doing it. The police was getting caught every second day because the kids would do a bit of damage, leave, come back the next day, do a little bit more. And I would get calls from the neighbors, from the police saying your property is getting trashed. And I was all the way in Sydney and literally for about a month there, I couldn't sleep. Um, every day I was like, frick, my property will get damaged. 
Um, and that process was actually very, very trying. Um, I actually didn't know how to really get out of it. But eventually the police came very close to catching the kids. They almost got them. But they saw that they were in the school uniforms um, and, and then also identified which school that they were in. And we kind of called the school and kind of put, you know, um, notice to them. And after that, they actually stopped. And during that process, I was actually very, very close to quitting because the property hadn't been renovated. It was going to cost a lot more than I had originally anticipated to get it fixed up. I think originally I had a quote at about twenty to 30000 but by the time they had finished with it, it was more like fifty, sixty, seventy. Gosh. So at that point, I was very, very close to packing it in. But the only thing that got me through was actually my desire to quit work, whether to put up with what I was going through with that property or to put up with what was going through work. I'm like, actually, I'll um, get over this, fix up the property, and then that will get me closer to quitting work. So once I got through it, it was actually – a very, very good story in the end because insurance came to the party. I actually got paid out for all the damages. And in the end, the renovation still cost me the same that I would. And the end product was very, very good. So in the end, I, uh, renovation-wise, was probably about 38000 40000 that I had to put in myself. And the property got valued over 330000 Despite the sleepless nights, Shah's worst investing moment ended well. The important lesson of remaining steadfast on your goals during testing times becoming clear. The property got rented out at 440. So, you know, there was a couple of key takeouts for me from going through that. One, how important your goal is because when you get tested, it's actually the goal that pulls you through. But if your goal isn't strong enough and you're like, frick, why am I even doing this? Then a lot of people actually just pack it in at that point. A couple of other key takeouts for me was get good insurance. Some people, they're like, oh, actually, this other insurer is $100, $200 cheaper. Do not skimp on insurance. I skimp on a lot of things, but insurance isn't one of them. Another key one that I have now is don't have the settlement close to Christmas. If you're settling close to Christmas, one, you're not going to find tenants. You're not going to find tradies during that time. So really, you know, project manage that thing, um, that settlement time quite closely. So there was a lot of key takeouts from it. Um, but that's like with all properties. Every time you go through one, you have a lot of learnings and then you just become a little bit savvier for the next one. While most investors attribute their aha moment to a property or feeling of financial freedom, Shah shares that was his mentor who helped him discover his goals that made him appreciative of property. I guess it's not really kind of a specific deal but it was actually... So how I managed to go down this path was actually speaking to and finding my mortgage broker who also became my mentor, Rolf Latham. Um, And the aha moment was actually when he linked what I was trying to achieve to my goals. Because I've spoken to other mortgage brokers prior to then, and like you said at the top of this um, call, that they were very transactional. Every mortgage broker I spoke to, they were like, yep, I can get you another 500,000. I can, you know, get you another 600,000 for the next purchase. And that was it. He was actually the very, well, the first and the only mortgage broker I spoke to was like, don't worry about the um, loans, don't worry about the structure, but what do you actually want to get from this? What are you trying to achieve? And that's when when he delved a little bit deeper because at first my answer was very generic, oh, I want to make money from investing. But, you know, money can be 10,000, 100,000, could be a couple of million. It's really what you're trying to achieve that's behind that. And when we delved a little bit further, it was I wanted to quit work. And it was when he had highlighted that goal that everything made sense. 
And all we did after that was he then illustrated in terms of from a structural financial perspective how I could get there. And he was savvy enough from the lending space to show me that, okay, I was on two properties, but he could then get the loans and also the structure in place to help me to get to 12. We ultimately got to 14, but when we had first that very first meeting and he mapped it out for me, he actually got me to 12. And essentially that was the aha moment because then finally I connected with what I wanted to achieve and property investing. And then for the next two years, I essentially just executed his model and his plan. So it was really meeting Rolf and his approach to mortgage broking, goal setting and property investing that got me across the line and opened up my eyes to what's possible. Because everyone else I've spoken to before then, it was like, well, here's your 400,000 for the next property. That to me didn't really mean anything, but he then approached it from a completely different angle. Putting his take on philosophies regarding investments, value and time, he shares with us why setting up multiple income streams was a big goal of his and why it should be one of yours too. I would say at the moment, it's reaching your goals through property investing. Investing is just a vehicle. My biggest philosophy and I kind of mentioned it before too is you want to create multiple streams of recurring income, You know, whether it's through the rental or the properties increasing in value without you putting your time there. Maybe it's through dividends and shares. Maybe through it's your business income. But ultimately, what you want to be doing is creating multiple streams of income because the one thing that everyone is limited in life is time. If you had more time than everyone else, then you can go out and make more money. But unfortunately, we're all given only 24 hours in a day. And the only way you can break free of that is to make making money independent of time and recurring stream of income allow you to do that. So I guess for me personally, what I'm excited about is setting up multiple streams of income, then you have that choice. At the moment, I love the mortgage broking business. I love helping other people go down this journey. Later down the track, I might have a different passion, then I'll explore that. But what the recurring stream of income allows you to do is have that choice. So that's what I'm working towards at the moment and that's what I'm excited by. Thank you to Michael Shah, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more stories like this, visit propertyinvestory.com.